Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Now today I want you in just a minute to stand with me and I'm going to read two verses of scripture. For those that know the Bible, this, these stories are, are familiar, but if you don't, don't worry about it. At the end of the day, you'll know. What I want you to know is uh, there are four guys that were very close to Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They wrote four books that are the first four books of the New Testament, and those books describe from the viewpoint of the author, the life of Jesus, the things that were really important to them as revealed by the Holy Spirit, they wrote the books. Luke was a physician. So he wrote the book that we are going to uh, glean just a lesson from today. And here's the thing that I want you to know before we read the scripture. I am well aware that every kind of situation is represented here. There have been people like myself, that started going to church nine months before I was born. And uh, some of you are here for the first time. I want you to know that there is no group in here or no individual in here that's loved by God any more than you are. And I do not care what your background might be. You are one of a kind. You are uniquely made. You may believe in God or you may not believe in God. But let me just tell you something. There is a monumental difference in believing in God and in believing God. It's one thing to believe there is a God. It's another thing to believe what God tells you is true. All of life, wherever you are today, whatever years remain, you will always live the results of decisions you make. One of those major decisions is who is going and what is going to direct your life? Who can you trust? One option that you have is Jesus, who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You'd find it very interesting that those that were the closest to Jesus from every walk of life, including Luke. They believed it so much, many of them were executed. They all paid dearly for their faith. They would not turn back when uh, it was told that they could not talk about the resurrected Lord Jesus. They believed in the resurrection so much, they put their life on the line. And so when I read this text, what I want you to do, uh, what you, I want you to understand is, I want to get us all on the same page today so you understand that it doesn't matter what your background is, religious or non-religion, doesn't matter what label you put over your faith, that God loves you just like everybody else. But he's willing to talk to us in these stories right where we are. You don't have to move over, move up, get down on your knees, for God to speak to you today. He knows exactly what we're looking for. All of us are on a search. I guess if you could put two words together, here's what God would say to you today. If he could just whisper to you before I have you stand to read the Bible, uh, to read to you a verse out of the Bible. I think he'd whisper to you, just trust me. Trust me. Don't trust that preacher. Trust me. Because God wants to speak to you. 
Now, everybody else wants to speak to you too. I understand that. Everybody wants to tell you how to live your life. So you're going to have to make a choice. And the quicker you make the choice, if it's the right choice, the more beneficial it's going to be. And God is watching your every move today. I hope that doesn't bother you. And that bothers me when the government is watching my every move. But it doesn't bother me if God is watching my every move because he has a way of knowing when I'm walking in the wrong direction of how to turn me around and walk me in the right direction. I do know when I fall down, he's going to pick me up. I do know when I have a need, he knows I have a need. He knew I was going to have that need before I was ever born. And he's got a plan and a purpose. And all I have to do is let go and let God. Now, if you have not chosen to follow the Lord, you've got to do the best you can. You have all kinds of news broadcasts. You can pick your favorite station and go with the news. Or you can go to the good news, which is the gospel. That's what the word means, is the gospel. So I want you to pay real close attention. Everybody likes a good story. Jesus knew that. And I want to say one other thing before I read this, the, the text. Jesus kept everything he said simple, S-I-M-P-L-E, simple. He would tell a story that a child could understand. And a Ph.D. could understand it as well if he would just pay attention to the story and not tell, try to tear it apart and say, no, I'm above that level. You didn't use the big words. Jesus would just tell a story. And everybody was invited to listen. And it's interesting how they responded. You're going to have a chance to respond. But let's get into the story. We're going to Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bible, you can uh, look in the Bible. Would you stand? If you don't, we're... On the screen today with the first verse of Luke chapter 15, and we'll be referring back and forth to where you can kind of see it. So I hope that you will remember it. But I'm going to give you three very brief stories. I'm going to try to tie them together for you so you'll understand why Jesus told these stories. Now, notice his audience. First verse. Luke 15, then drew near unto Jesus all the publicans and the sinners for to hear him. Now let me read you the second verse. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man, Jesus, receiveth sinners and eats with them. Well, we'll start there. Would you be seated and listen to the rest of the story. You're fixing to hear a profound truth, but you're going to hear it from Jesus in very simple words. In a very difficult situation, he had a mixed audience. Jesus always seemed to have that mixed audience. He had people that were seeing him for the first time. He had people that walked with him most of his earthly ministry life. He had those that had studied the Jewish law intently and had every type of a degree you could have in the law of Moses. But when he spoke, everybody came to hear him. Now, knowing that everybody came to hear him, he tried to not get too spiritual in what he said. But by the same token, he tried to say it where everybody could understand it. You know, a lot of people are greatly educated, but they don't have any common sense. A lot of people have a lot of common sense. They don't have any education. But when you get somebody like Jesus that can speak to all of us, now we got something worth listening to. So I want you to listen to these object lessons. See if you can identify with them. There's three of them. 
One of them has to do with animals. If you love animals, maybe you want to pay attention to that one. The other one has to do with money. If you say, now you got me. Well, I'm going to do that second before you go to sleep because the third one is going to be on family, the family. I love my family, love my money. I love animals. Jesus was talking to a group like that. He said, well, I want to tell you some stories. I want you to, if you have your Bible, keep it open there. So let me get to the first illustration real quickly. In verse 4, he begins to speak a parable. Let me tell you what a parable is. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Listen to the story. I'm not going to read the whole story. Just introduce it to you, and I'll tell it to you in just a real nutshell. It says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together all of his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Now let me stop right there because there's a spiritual word that some of you that are here for the first time have heard and you say, I don't like that word. Some guy told me I was lost and I told him, well, don't worry about it. Uh, Don't put me down. Let me tell you what the word lost means. Something is lost when it's not where it's supposed to be. Like if you've lost your car keys today, you say, I've got that place where I put them, but they weren't there. Okay, they're lost. Now, if you today, if, if you're supposed to be a certain place right now in the history of your life, which the Bible uh, tells us, or which, which uh, was told by the prophet that, that God's plans uh, and our footsteps are just ordained by him and he has a plan for our life. All right, now, if that is true, and you today are not where your creator wa- wants you to be, you're lost. Now, that's not a put down. It's just the fact You are here, and God wants you here. You got off track somewhere, if you please. And so, as we look at this rancher, he brings the sheep in, and there's 100 of them, and he's got 99 there, and he counts them. If you know anything about the ranching business with sheep, a sheep rancher can run sheep through a gate that's eight foot wide and count those sheep as they come through those gates with those border collies pushing them, and they can count them. They're just gifted. Why? That's their livelihood. Losing a sheep is like leaving, like having somebody, if you're in business, shoplifting and taking stuff off your shelf. That's where the income came from. That's where the shearing of the, of the wool came from, okay? Now try to associate with this. This man lost it, lost the one sheep. Now look what he did. He said, I'm going to leave these 90 and 9, and I'm going to go out, And look for that one, because that one is important to me. I am glad those are here. You see, there's a lot of folks here today, and there's a lot of people watching on the Internet that couldn't go to church today, but you know that God lives in your life. But we're already in the fold. We're safe, and the Lord is rejoicing that you're here today. But for that one that is not, the focus of attention is, I want you too. You can say, well, you ought to be happy with 99%. Jesus says, no, I'm not happy with 99%. A baseball player is happy if he can hit one, one hit out of every three times he bats and hits 333, he can be pretty high in the standing. Jesus said, I want to bat 1,000. 
I'm not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So this rancher begins to go out, and look what he does. He says, I want to get my neighbors to help me. Would y'all help me find this sheep? I met a family a while ago. They're right now in the discovery stop, a couple. Here's what they told me. They said, we've never been in a place that's so friendly in our life that's been here this morning. Said, we're just jumping up and down. Where is that place and how you find out how to join this thing? You know? It makes me feel good when you get spoken to in the parking lot. I'm glad that we all can be living proof of loving God to a watching world, like our mission statement says. He goes out and he says, come on, help me, because you see, they had concern too. We have concern. We cannot bring salvation to anybody. Jesus brought salvation, but we just want everybody to be safe. Let me tell you what that word means. When somebody says saved, that scares other people. That lost scares them, and the word saved. Somebody says, are you saved? And you think, first of all, I don't even know what the word means, but I don't think so. It sounds too spiritual to me. Can I tell you what that word means? It means, are you safe? Are you safe? You see, a sheep that's not in the fold is not safe. They're not safe because they're out there where all the coyotes are and all the cliffs are and all the problems are. But once they get in the fold, the gate is closed and the guard goes up and the border collies are there to bark if, if a, a predator approaches. And what it means to be saved means I am safe. If I live, I live for the Lord. If I die, I die in the Lord. Whether I live or whether I die, I'm the Lord. I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. Isn't that what you do at night when you go to bed? I want you to lock the door. I want to be safe. Okay? Now hold on to that. When the lost sheep was found, everybody rejoiced. That's the reason we enjoy baptism. Every time we baptize, we all enjoy it. Why? Another one's come home. Another one's saved. Now saying, I'm safely in the foe. But now look what Jesus says in that seventh verse. Listen, now this is his message. He gave you a, a story. Now here's what he says. In Luke 15, 7. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than 99 persons who need no repentance. Now, back in the Old Testament, we're called sheep. Could I just tell you, if you don't know anything about sheep, that's not very flattering. <laughs> the Bible says all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. But God laid on his son Jesus the iniquity of us all. And Jesus went to that cross and paid for our sins. We wander around. We easily wander. People are so easily led astray. They are so easily deceived. We can get lost in the mountains physically, out on the ocean, up in the air. We can get lost in the cities. We get lost in the country. We can get lost in bad weather. We can get lost in thick woods. We can get even lost in the open desert. It's easy to lose your way and be lost. That's not a put down. It's just a fact. My wife and I have a deal. She can get me around in town and I can get her around when we're out in the country. That's just our deal. She cannot find her way when she gets away from Maine and Fanning, you know. And I can't find my way when I'm on Main Street. But God says, number one, I want you safe 
I want you saved. I want you safe. Now look at the second story. It's in verse 8. If you can't identify with sheep, said never liked them. They smell bad, and I don't like all that dust and stuff, and wool is too hot, so I don't care anything about them. Okay? He says, how about money? Can we get you on that one? Luke 15, 8. What woman having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, let me make this a little bit more, more uh, where you'll understand it. What woman having ten credit cards, if she loses one, <laughs> does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Now, Jesus, knowing his audience, said, if I didn't get them with the sheep, I'm going to tell them another story. They all like money. Today, they all like credit cards, money, paycheck, billfold. Let me ask you a question. You put your credit card in a safe place? Mm-hmm. You put your purse in a safe place? Mm-hmm. You put your billfold in a safe place? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you put all, all your, your gold and silver, if you have any? Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when you, you lose it? What do you do? If you have five credit cards and you lose one, let me ask you this. You get on Facebook and say, hey, y'all, y'all, I got five credit cards. Would y'all pray that the four that I still have have enough balance left on them that I can use them this week? Do you say that? No, you don't. What do you say? Would you just please pray or help me find my credit cards? What are you concerned about? Lost. That's what you're concerned about, rightfully so. What's Jesus? Does he love, is he glad that he has an eye? You bet. But where's his concern? The one that's lost. Why? Because I'm not convinced, I mean, I'm not satisfied till I get everybody safely home. I'm not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And you know, it's easy to blame others when they're responsible for your loss. If you're lost and you're not safe, you know the easiest one to blame? Blame those Christians down there at the church. That's a good one. Or blame it on King James English. I just don't understand the King James Bible. Or, or blame it on the church. Or blame it on whatever you want to blame it on. Blame it on your mother, your daddy, your uncle, your aunt, your best friend, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife. Pick one. That's what you want to do. But God feels that you're so important that you can find no fault in him. Because his heart's pure, his motive is pure, his method is perfect, it's been accepted by God. And emotions run high when something is lost. Many times when a person realizes that they're lost, they get very angry, they get very mad. You say anything to them about anything, about the teachings of Jesus, and they get very offended. But God says, that's okay. Let me tell you something else. I want the church members to listen to this. Me, all of us. When Jesus got after people, he got after us. The Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees. Those that for some reason felt like that now that I am up here, I don't want to associate with those down there. And if they're going to get where I am over here, then they're going to have to change. Jesus had zero tolerance for that. He had a way of coming in and, and in spite of many of his followers, and many of them right there when he preached that day and gave these stories, he knew it, 
And as he spoke, he spoke with love for all, but he cautioned the Pharisees. And the people said, Jesus, you sure don't talk like they do. You sure are different from them. If it is possible that you today could feel the heart of God, God loves lost sinners. He just wants you safe. He just wants you protected from the evil one. He just wants what's best for you and promised you, I will not withhold anything that's a blessing in your life. He says our steps are ordained. Let me tell you what that word means. It means planned by God. God has a plan for your life. Think about that. You don't have to go out there and compete. You just have to go out there and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And he will open the door for you to do exactly what he called you out to do. Man, that takes a whole lot of pressure off. But you see, God loves lost sinners and he created them for a purpose just like he created those that are already convinced for a purpose and whenever we are lost out there in the world God comes after you he's after you that's the reason you're uncomfortable Sometimes people just get real nervous when they get around anything spiritual. Why? Because they want to run from it. And God understands that. But God is patient. He's long-suffering. He said, I got plenty of time. Plenty of time. But that is the third story. And if the other two don't get you, this one sure would. He's talking about children. We call it the prodigal son. Look in the 12th verse. Well, let me go back to 11. He had two sons. A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me, and he divided unto him his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. He took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with rise to his living. And when he had spent all, there arose a great famine in the land. He began to be in want. He went and joined himself to citizens of that country, became a part of that world, and he went to the field and became a feeder of hogs. He had a hog pen experience. Now think who these two guys were. They were the heirs of a mega wealthy man that had magnitude, a, a, a magnitude of land and mega bucks. And they inherited, they were the heirs to him. And as they came to get their inheritance, they were totally different. One was a self-righteous older brother that was very proud about how spiritual and how good he was. And then there was a rebellious younger brother. The younger brother says, just give me what's mine, I'm leaving. Might have been because he couldn't stand to be around the older brother. Looks like a lot of people won't come to church because they can't stand to be around those that claim to be children of God. He said, give me my money, I'm gone. But do you know what he said? Did you hear it? He's Jewish, he ends up feeding hogs. That is not the high calling of the Jewish people. He ended up out there in the hog pen of life. He could have become a drug addict. He could have become, you just named the sin that takes such a toll on the person that is infected with it. Any of that was possible. And when his money ran out, when his money ran out, then he began to think differently. Just like all people do that think 
differently when the money's gone. But listen to what it says. And he came to himself, and the first thing he thought of was his father. Listen to me, kids. His father. You say, but my father's not like that. Wait a minute. God said, I'm a father to the fatherless. If your father, your, your earthly father is, is dead, gone, maybe locked up, incarcerated away from you, God will put in that father love for you, but you can't be together anymore. But there is one that will stick closer than a brother. He's a perfect father. He says, I will adopt you, and all that's in the heavens, and all that's in the earth is mine, and you are my heir, and it all belongs to you. And as long as you will use it for the purpose that I give it to you for, I will bless you. But quit trying to be one that stops my blessings, but be one that flows my blessings. And I want you to walk with me. And I want you to be my child. God wants his kids back into his safety. To put his arms around them. These guys were different, we're different. Some of us are followers of Jesus. Some of us are not followers of Jesus. Some would say, I'm not sure. And some would adamantly say, I don't follow anyone. That's okay. As long as you know God loves you anyway. God loves you and you can't do anything about it. Now, doesn't that hack you off? I just wish you'd stop loving me and then I'd feel better about the way I'm acting. God says, no. Father, forgive them. Because yet they don't know what they're doing. You know, when Jesus said that, one of the centurions that saw him got saved that day. He said, this man dies like different. I'd never execute anybody died like this man. He's not like the rest. Hear me, young people. Jesus is not like the rest. He's perfect. He wants you home. He wants you doing what he created you. If you're not married, he, he has picked out. If he wants you married, he's picked out the one for you. And if you will just follow him, he will lead you to them. He's got your career plan. Don't you worry about all the statistics you've seen. God's got a plan. His ways are higher than our ways. You can't put them on a chart. But that's only if you walk with him. And many people leave God and go out into the world and make the most crucial decisions of their life, who their life master is going to be, who their life mate's going to be, what life's vocation is going to be. They do it all apart from God, who their friends are going to be, all apart from God, and they're beat up and battered, and the storms of life come in, they become shipwrecked. And the father is just saying, listen, I know where you are. I want you to come home. If you'll read this story to the conclusion, when that boy started home, his father, that he had embarrassed, hurt, left, came out, and when he was a long way away, his father came out to meet him. And you know what he did when he brought him home? He didn't say, I told you it's going to happen to you. He didn't give him, say, okay, now from now on, you're going to get so much money a month. He said, bring the ring. Bring to him the very best. Give him our, our platinum American Express card. We're going to have a party. Because the boy had done right going off? No. But my son has come home. I love my boy. I love my boy. Now listen, 
The big brother couldn't handle it. I'm telling you, if some of you would get saved, there'd be religious people that wouldn't believe it for years. But don't you worry about that one iota. You just take up your cross and follow the Lord and watch what God does for your life. Every decision has its consequences. When that boy humbled himself to the fact that he had lost his way, his purpose, he wasn't where God wanted him to be. He wasn't where the father, the father had built an empire to give to his boy, and he ran off and left it. The father showed him unconditional love. Wow, what a story. If you're willing to admit today that you've lost your way, If you're willing to say today, I really want to make this world a better place. I, I really want to have some lasting joy in my life. Not just an affair. Not just a relationship temporarily. Not just a, a temporary moment of going through a little while when everything was fine and then I fell off the cliff. But if you're here today and say, God loves me unconditionally. And I'm going to love him unconditionally. Job said, if he slays me, I'm going to trust him. Hear me. Bring to me the first person that's ever given their life to Jesus and says, I wish I wouldn't have come home. I'll take you to a thousand for every one. If, I've never seen one. If you brought me one, I'll take you to a thousand. That says the greatest moment in my life was when I came to myself. And I gave up that messy life I was in and I came home and I was washed in the blood of the Lamb. My best day ever. That's the gospel, folks. It's good news. Everybody's included. You're included. Your friends included. Your boyfriend's included. Your girlfriend's included. Your brother, your sister. Just a while ago in the hospitality room. A precious Hispanic girl who was baptized just a few Sundays ago, standing beside her was her teenage daughter, a uh, sister, and said, this is my sister. And she's seen what Jesus has done in my life, and she wants to be saved. And she went back and prayed to receive Christ just a few moments ago. That's what this is all about. This is no hokey-pokey spiritual stuff. This is no big words that nobody can understand. This is just simple stuff. If you're lost, that means you're not where you ought to be. If you're not saved, that means you're not safe place. You're open to everything that comes down the pike. And we are so vulnerable. Isn't it interesting to you? It's sad to me, but I hope it's at least interesting to you. I watch the news this morning. watch it every day. You know what we're hearing about today? Well, 16 people that made, they were county workers. They, they're not the highest paid people on the planet. Won $148 million on the super jackpot, okay? Then another one won $148 million, okay? And that's, that's 16, that's 17. I haven't heard anything yet about the hundreds of millions of, of dollars that was spent by fathers and mothers putting their, their food fund there, their paycheck there, to try to be one of those. And there were millions of people that were ripped apart of their finances, and now they're wondering, even today, how am I going to eat? How am I going to get my kids back in school? Well, what'd you do with your money? I just gave it to the devil. I don't think you'll see the winners wanting to give it back either. The world doesn't work that way. But Jesus said, I know, I know. I know all about you, but I love you anyway.
Let me just close by telling you that I have been lost one time in my life. I've had the privilege of being outdoors a lot. I've been all over East Africa, South Africa. I've been into the, starting in 1963 when Africa was a very dark continent as far as civilization. In 1963, I got lost in Africa. I've thought about that experience many, many times. And I uh, remember when that happened, several things popped into my mind. I'll leave you with my thoughts. This is what it means to be lost. Number one, I never intended to be lost. I didn't get up and leave the camp that day and say, I think today, where are you going to do? I'm going to get lost. No. I was going after something else. I had a trophy in mind. But it got lost. And uh, when it gets dark in Africa, it gets dark. Trust me. But at first, I didn't know I was lost. You know why I didn't know I was lost? Because God said he knew where he was. See, some of you are lost today, and people around you are telling you, that's okay, I know where I'm going, you know, I'm two years older than you. Come on, man, party, 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 let's do all this kind of stuff. I thought the people giving me counsel knew where they were. They didn't know where they were. They were lost and didn't know it. Well, when I recognized I was lost, you know what the next question was? I wonder if there's anybody knows where I am. Does anybody know where I am? Jesus knows where you are. He knows exactly where you are. So the next question is, if I know where I am, do they love me enough to come get me? He's coming after you today. Look around. You see all this? You see the cross out there? You see the beautiful campus? Let me tell you something. This is done to the glory of God, but this is for you. When the news media asked me, what's that cross for out there? What's the purpose of it? I said, it's to tell everybody that drives that freeway, one million people a week, that God loves them. That's the reason it was built. Listen to me. Nobody has asked you, if you're a non-believer, for one thing today. Free parking, free seats, free care for your children. We're going to have a free, beautiful family Bible for every one of you that are our guests today. If you'll just stop by and pick it up and know there's not an envelope in it. And know, for those of you that call in to get the free things on television, no, nobody's going to ask you for a minimum gift. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But let me tell you, hear me. Why? Do we do that? Why? This is, these people, nobody's paid those people. That man's not paid. Dancers aren't paid, those beautiful little children. All they just want to know, they just want to let their little light shine. Okay? Now, keep that in mind when you go to the next ball game, when you go to your next entertainment place and see how many times they ask you for money, the next call you get Jesus doesn't do it that way. He says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You're not going to see an offering plate today. Let me tell you, some of you stayed awake to this time because you said, I sure want to be there to put my quarter in when the plate comes by. It will not come by. We, don't, we do not take offerings. We do not sign pledge cards. We just trust God. And for, 50 years, for 48 years now, God has been able. And you're sitting with people here all over this building they were in that baptistry one time. 
Might, might have been last week and might have been 35 or 40 years ago. They were lost, but they were found and they were brought to the Savior. So I asked, do they love me enough to come after me? And the last question I did, whoever comes after me, do they know how they're going to get back home when they find me? Let me tell you, Jesus is one coming after you, and Jesus is at your home. And when it comes to the end of life, Jesus is going to be there. And when somebody says, why should I, if Peter is there, and he's the kind of big mouth that'd be there, well, why do you think you deserve it in here? Jesus said, Peter, would you just get over here and shut up for the last time? They're welcome because of me. My blood was shed for them. They are bought with a price. They're my kids. Let them in. When Luke, Dr. Luke wrote the 19th chapter, he told Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the little short guy, for the Son of Man, this is in the 10th verse, is come to seek and to save those that are lost. End of story. What's the Christian faith all about? Jesus came to seek and to save those which are lost. We've all been lost. We were born in sin. I've said it a thousand times. Nobody had to teach you to be bad. You came that way. And it's been an uphill battle all the way. But Jesus says, I know where you are. And if you'll come home, I'll come out and greet you. And where I am, there you may be also. God is right here. Why don't you get in with it? Get with him. Say, I don't like y'all. Okay, get with him. He's here because we're gathered in his name. And then when we get to heaven, you'll be with him forever and forever and forever. You can trust him. That's all he asks. Only trust me. Can you do that? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? In just a few moments now, we'll be on our way. Either our steps will be ordained by God and followed, or we will just ignore them and just go to our normal routine. I want to challenge you today what a lot of people did in the early service, and that is to take a moment and say, I'm, I'm just as important as that sheep or that coin or that young rebellious boy. But I've got a father that's a, that's a heavenly father, and he wants me to come home. Would you let him receive you right now? He will. He will. I know you've seen all of the phony stuff. I know you could write a book about the hypocrisy you've seen in organized religion. Everything man's tried to change, he's messed up. But Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Won't you do that today? While your head is bowed, you could just simply pray a simple prayer. Dear God, I know I'm not where you want me to be. You couldn't have wished it's on your worst enemy as to where my life is. But I'm going to believe you, God. I don't know if I can believe that preacher, but I'm going to believe you. And I'm going to believe your word. That if I'll confess my sins, 
you're faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me. And I want to have a Sunday for the first time in my life when I feel cleansed, cleaned, renewed, a brand new life. So, Father, I'm asking you into my life. If you're willing to do that, you could do it right where you are and you could go back to the Connection Center and just tell the folks, I prayed with the pastor. The little prayer, dear God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. But I want to get involved. I need to be baptized. God wants you to because he doesn't want you to be ashamed of it. The Connection Center is located just off the main foyer out there, back this way, behind the Divine Servant. One step out of the door to my right, look to the left, unmarked doors, two doors, go there. People are waiting for you, will be, or go out this door and turn to the right. If you want to talk to somebody this afternoon, you come and let us talk to you. No, there's no charge. No, sir. Our ministry is a ministry of the Lord, and we just represent him, but we want to represent him well. Salvation is a free gift. Heaven you don't buy. It's paid for by the blood of Jesus. Our Heavenly Father, I ask you now to bless those that might want to become a part of this church. They are believers. They're like so many that were in the early service that said that we're going to a church that's left the teaching of the Scripture to major on other things rather than bringing people to the cross. And Lord, I just ask you today to just remove the things that keep people from thinking clearly. I know they can't find any fault in you, but they can find a whole lot of fault in the rest of us. But may you blot out every one of us and let them see you with your arms outstretched and says, get out of that hog pen. I didn't create you to feed hogs. I want you to be my child. You come and we'll celebrate your salvation. And it's in Jesus' name, Lord, I just lift up every person here that knows you not as a, in a personal way that today will be their day. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sondays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.